Thank you. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your scriptures with me and turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7 is where we will begin. We are continuing in our sermon series titled, Do Unto Others, with a special focus on the golden rule, which we see in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Jesus shared these words, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and prophets. Notice, Jesus said, whatever you want, say want. Jesus said, whatever you want, say want. Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. It's okay for us to want others to do for us. It's okay for us to want others to encourage us. It's okay for us to want others to be kind to us. It's okay for us to want others to respect us. Whatever we want to get from others, we are to give to others. Whatever we want to receive from others, we are to show to others. We're going to begin this morning, and we're going to take a look at some ways in which we can apply the golden rule in our lives and relationships. Some application points some truths from God's word that we can look to apply in our lives and relationships, ways we can apply the golden rule in the relationships that we have with one another. And so we're going to join together in looking at this and looking at ways we can help one another in doing to others what we want them to do to us. And so I'm excited to look into this passage uh, this morning. What we need to remind ourselves as we begin this morning, as we begin looking at all these different truths, we'll start this morning with the first one that God wants us to influence the world around us rather than the world around us influencing us. God wants us to impact our culture rather than our culture impacting us as followers of Jesus Christ, as we obey God's word by God's power at work in us, then we're able to bless others, we're able to minister to others, we're able to impact others in a positive way for King Jesus. And as we understand and realize today, this is what the world around us desperately needs is to see King Jesus living in and through our lives. Our first application point that we're going to focus on this morning is love. Love. It's okay for us to want others to love us. Since we want others to love us, we are also to love others. Seven-year-old Sally wrote a note to God one day, and she wrote these words, Dear God, I bet it's hard for you to love all the people in the whole wide world. There are only four people in my family, and I have trouble loving all of them. So we know and understand, uh, we can rejoice that it's not difficult for God to love us. And uh, we can rejoice in that. However, Sally did share with us something we know and understand, and that's simply this. Some people are easy to love, and some people 
not as much. It's easy to love those who love us. It's easy to love those who are just like us. However, we need God's supernatural help and power to love those who don't love us, to love those who come against us. Even to go as far as Jesus challenged us to love our enemies. Thankfully, God gives us his help to love others his way as we trust him day by day. And so let's look at some reasons why it's important for us to love others. We're going to begin by looking at some reasons why it's important to love others. So turn in your Bibles to your right and head to 1 John. It's towards the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4. John, the author of 1 John, also was the author of the gospel that bears his name, the gospel of John, and the letters 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John was a disciple of Jesus, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. John was often called the disciple whom Jesus loved, which signified the close personal relationship John had with Jesus. It was a close relationship. And so we know it's not surprising then for us as we read John's writings to find that he placed an emphasis on the importance of love in his writings. He wrote about the importance of loving God and loving others in his writings. And so we're going to look at this emphasis. One of the points of emphasis in John's writings is here for us in 1 John chapter 4. But we see, as we look at 1 John, the letter as a whole, we notice that John talked to us about love before he got to chapter 4. John gave us a command about love in chapter 2. Look in chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John wrote these words, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. John told us, do not love the world or the things in the world. A love for the world and the things in the world is not from God. A love for the world and the things in the world will lead us away from God. John told us, he reminded us, the world and its stuff is passing away. This world will never satisfy us, strengthen us, and sustain us. It can't. It's passing. We must love God first and most as followers of Jesus Christ. And as we love God first and most, we understand and realize real quickly, God sustains us. God strengthens us. And God more than satisfies us on a daily basis. Is it a challenge for us to resist the world and the things of the world? Yes. But in God's strength with his wisdom, we can succeed in following this command in chapter 2, which is don't love the world or the things in the world. It will get you in trouble with the Lord and with those that God has placed around us. Then John continued and talked to us in chapter 3. If you look in chapter 3, you'll see that he talked to us about love in chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. 
We should love one another. John reminded us here in chapter 3 that this command to love God, this command to love others, is not something that's brand new, that only is found in the New Testament scriptures. No, he said it's actually from the beginning, from the very start in the Old Testament. And then he went on to share the example of how Cain failed to love his brother Abel because of the sin and the evil in his heart as he murdered his brother Abel. And so we see that John is helping us before we even get to chapter four. He's giving us a command. Don't love the world or the things in the world. It's passing away. It's not gonna help you. It's not gonna satisfy. It's not gonna fulfill you. And then he reminds us that this command to love, hey, it's from the start. It was there at the very beginning uh, at Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, beginning to end. This isn't just something new. No, it's something that, that you've heard, that we've discussed before. And that brings us then to chapter 4. John shares with us three reasons why we're to love others. The first one is simply this. We're to love others because love is who God is. He looks and writes in 1 John chapter 4. Look at chapter 4. I'll begin reading in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Say that with me out loud. God is love. God is love. God is loving in all he is, and God is loving in all he does. As God convicts us, he is loving us. As God corrects us, he is loving us. As God encourages us, he is loving us. As God transforms us into the likeness of Jesus, he's loving us. As God teaches us, he's loving us. As God rebukes us, he's loving us. As God answers our prayers, he's loving us. As God's answer to our prayers our yes, no, or wait and grow, he's loving us. God is love. Now, it's important to note that that's not all that God is. We know God, Scripture tells us, is holy and righteous and just. John, in the first chapter, said God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And so we know this doesn't summarize God in all of his amazing qualities, but we do know the purpose of John here in chapter 4, the focus of this passage is on love. God is love. God is a source of love. All love <clears throat> comes from God. Now, the love that John was talking about here, we need to identify in the original language is agape love. It's the original word, agape love. And agape love is a love that is sacrificial. Agape love is selfless. Agape love is others-focused. Agape love gives and gives and gives, and it never stops giving. Agape love gives whether it's received properly. Agape love gives whether it's returned promptly. Agape love involves both words and actions. Agape love is the love that God has for us. Agape love is the love that Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross. Agape love is the love that God wants to go through us to those around us. And so we see we're to love others because love is who God is. But then we also see, secondly, love is what God does. He continues in chapter 4, <clears throat> in verse 9, God's love was revealed among us in this way. So here's how we know. God is loving who he is. God is loving what he does. Love is what God does. He said, God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, <clears throat> 
but that he loved us and sent his son uh, to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. He's loving in all he is, and he's loving in all he does. God demonstrated his love, his greatest act of love, his greatest demonstration of love, his greatest revelation of love was in the fact that he sent his only son, Jesus, to earth to rescue us from our sins. You see, John said that God has lavished his love on us in Christ Jesus. Paul agreed, and Paul said, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God took the initiative in loving us by sending Jesus to earth for us. Jesus came to earth, and he took our place on the cross, and he paid our price for sin. You see, we were once dead in our sins, Scripture says that we had all turned away from God to go our own way. We were dead in our sins. We were separated from God because of our sin against God without any way or help or hope of getting to God on our own. And so Jesus didn't just teach us about sacrifice. Jesus didn't just talk about sacrifice or write about sacrifice. Jesus didn't offer a sacrifice like the Old Testament priests did for God's people of Israel in the Old Testament. No, Jesus was our sacrifice. Jesus gave himself to be the once and for all sacrifice for sins. Jesus satisfied God's demand, God's standard, God's requirement for a holy and righteous sacrifice to be made so that we who are unholy and unrighteous could be made right with a holy and righteous God through the holy and righteous sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus shed his blood for us on the cross of Calvary. Amen? That's great news for you and me. He shed his blood. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We are able to enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul said, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, God raised him from the dead, we're saved. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. He rose again on the third day, victorious over sin and death for you and me. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. John said, yet to all who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believed in his name. Luke says, salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Other than the name of Jesus. Reminds me of the old hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, and Jesus, you know the words, he washed it. It's white as snow. He, by his blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary, provides us the forgiveness of sin. Love is who Jesus is. Love is what Jesus has done. We see this over and over again in the scriptures. Third reason we're to love others is love is what God wants us to do. Love is what God wants us to do. He continued, John did in verse 11, dear friends, if God loved us in this way, which we know he did, that if can be translated since <clears throat> or because, since God loved us in this way, <clears throat> we must also love one another. Now, we must also love one another in the present tense. That means it's our joy, our privilege, our responsibility to love one another, to love others every day, all through the day, day after week, after month, after year. 
Present tense. It's our joy. It's our honor to love others. It's vitally important for you and me. Since we have been so loved by God, we are to love others for God. God has certainly made this clear to us in the teaching through his word. God's shared this with us over and over again. God's told us in his word that we're to love our neighbors as ourselves, that we're to love others as Christ loved us, that we're to let no debt remain outstanding, that we're not to owe anyone anything except for the ability to love one another, to continuing in that process of loving one another. Love is the fulfillment of the law, Jesus told us. We know that we're to put on love because it's the perfect bond of unity. This love, this agape love is the perfect bond of unity for us in Christ Jesus. We're to love one another deeply from the heart. We're to maintain constant love for one another because this constant love for one another covers over a multitude of sins. Peter told us. And so we understand the love that God has for us is to go through us to all those he places around us. And John reminded us at the end of chapter 4 when he told us, we love because God first loved us. Listen, the reason we can love at all is because he loved us. We didn't love him first. He loved us. We're able to love because of his love at work in us, which he desires to go through us. You see, it's the love of Jesus that is to be the overflow of our new life in Jesus. The love of Jesus through us should just simply be the overflow of our new life in Jesus. The love of Jesus in and through us should be the overflow of our growth in Jesus. And the love of Jesus in us and through us should just simply be the overflow from our lives that helps us to point others to Jesus. This love that is so powerful that God demonstrated for us, he now calls us and says, since God has loved us in this way, then love is what God wants us to do. So we know it's important to love others. Because love is who God is. Love is what God does. God wants us to love others. He's made that clear to us here. And so let's now look at some ways that can encourage us to love others. Let's look at some points, just a few points that will help us in the process of loving others. We clearly know that's our challenge. That's our command. That's God's desire for us. And so let's, let's look at a few points. These teachings, these points are, are for each of us today. As we share often, the, the teaching from the Lord is always for us because he's continuing his work and growing us and transforming us into the likeness of Jesus. So it's always for us. But as followers of Jesus, we're ministers for Jesus. We got congregations that we're going to be going to in a short period of time. And so he's wanting these teachings to sink into us because he wants us then to show them to those that he's going to place around us because those around us need this truth that God's sharing with us. They need to see it through us. So this is for us and it's for others as well. So it's exciting to get what God has for us and it's exciting to see who God brings our way so that we might be able to share it with them. And as the Holy Spirit continues to work this morning, I have no doubt that as the Holy Spirit continues to work, he's gonna challenge, he's gonna convict as he 
continues to change us to be more like Jesus. And there's some pictures of folks that we know that God's going to bring to our mind, maybe from a point of encouragement, maybe from a point of conviction, that he's going to ask us to demonstrate this agape love in that relationship that we have with that other person or individual. They may be here, they may not be here. And so it's exciting to see what God has for us as we look at these points. The first point is this, love is a fruit of the Spirit. Paul wrote in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Hey, I've got great news for us this morning. We're able to love by God's power. You see, the reason that it works this way is because agape love is from God. So God produces his agape love in us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our life as a follower of Jesus, the sign that the Holy Spirit is changing us and making us look more and more like Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our lives. The first fruit listed is the fruit of love. And so we know God, by his Holy Spirit in us, produces his agape love in us, and then he empowers us to show that agape love to those he places around us. We can love others sacrificially. We can love others selflessly. We can love others with a love that gives and gives and gives. We can love others whether they receive it properly. We can love others whether they return it promptly. We can love others in words and in actions. We can love others as we humbly surrender ourselves to God on a day-by-day basis because this allows us to walk by the Spirit, not the flesh, in His power, not ours. Jesus gave us the recipe when he answered the question, what is the greatest commandment in all the law? By saying, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no command greater than these. So as we love God first and most, we're able to love others. And as we love God first and most, we're able to live for God. And then he empowers us to love others through his spirit at work in us. Those who do not have a relationship with God by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus can love, obviously. Those who don't have a relationship with God yet by the faith and trust in Jesus can love. They can love others. They can love those in their relationships around them. However, those who do not yet have a relationship with God by God's grace through the faith in Christ Jesus cannot love with an agape love. Because agape love comes from God by his implanted Holy Spirit in us, and it's the Holy Spirit that produces agape love in and through us. They cannot love to the full extent and capability that they could love in a relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. For those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, we don't have an excuse. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. He's at work in us. God loves us. We have the word of God before us. We got our brothers and sisters in Christ around us. We really don't have an excuse not to love others. And yet at times, we get so distracted by spiritual warfare going on around us. We get so distracted by our own stuff. We get distracted by all kinds of different things that, truth be told, we really stop 
loving others the way God wants us to love others. Because we stop walking in the spirit, we start walking in the flesh. And when we love others in our own fleshly strength, in our own fleshly wisdom, it doesn't work well. It doesn't work well. And so we understand and realize that love is a fruit of the spirit. We can love God's way. We can love others the way God wants us to as we stay dependent and humble before him, walking in his spirit strength, not in ours. Second, love must be a priority. Love must be a priority. Turn to your left real quick and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, commonly known as the love chapter. What a great chapter in Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, fantastic Scripture of truth for our lives. Uh, many times folks go uh, to 1 Corinthians 13 and they uh, immediately look at verses 4 through 7. It talks about what love is and what love does. And, and certainly those verses are, are so important to, to know, so important to memorize, so important to obey and apply in the Lord's strength in our lives. They're, they're beautiful words uh, that are spoken that uh, are to characterize our lives as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. However, uh, those verses 4 through 7 are built on the foundation of verses 1 through 3. And in verses 1 through 3, we find out the foundation is simply this. Love is a priority to God. Love must be a priority to us. Paul shared in verse 1, If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Okay, love is a priority to God. Love must be a priority to us. Paul tells us here, it really doesn't matter what we say, what we understand, what we know, what we have, what we do. If it's not done in love, then it adds up to nothing. If what we think, say, and do isn't done out of love for God and love for others, then we're missing God's points. Prominent pastor and author John MacArthur said, the loveless person produces nothing, is nothing, and gains nothing. You see, if it's not out of love what we say and what we show, then we're clearly missing the point. And and he set that up in verses 1 through 3, then to begin to tell us love is patience and love is kind. Love is not boast. And he starts sharing with us what this love looks like. Love must be a priority for you and me. As a follower of Jesus, as we go about our daily lives, beginning with those who are closest to us, that means for many of us, our husbands, our wives, and then it means our, our children or our parents, our siblings, our sons, our daughters, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, and we just keep expanding out further and further. What we need to understand is, is each day, 
we need to, to get with the Father. We need to humbly surrender to him, again, because love is a fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to humbly surrender to him. We're going to get with him. We're going to spend time with him. He's going to pour into us. And then what's going to happen as we get up and as we move out into our ministry areas to minister to those places around us, we need to go out with the ministry mindset of love, 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 love. Love is a priority to God must be a priority to us. When love becomes a priority, then we begin to see what happens with these next two points. And that is, third is love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial. Jesus loved us sacrificially, and we are to love others sacrificially. As we love others sacrificially, we imitate God. As we love others sacrificially, we walk as Jesus walked. Look back in 1 John, and let's look to chapter 3 real quick, because we see John talked about this uh, as he was continuing his discussion about love in chapter 3. And John said this in verse 16, this is how we have come to know him. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Love is sacrificial. Agape love, listen to me now, agape love is expensive. Agape love is costly. Agape love is the love that God wants us to show to one another. It's the love he's producing in us. He's, it's the love he wants to go through us. But listen, it's costly. It's expensive. It's a whole lot easier to love in our strength. It's a whole lot easier to love according to our knowledge and ability. Because then we don't really need to think about others as much as we would want to think about others or know that we probably should. No, because if we're going to focus on our strength and wisdom. We're going to love like the way we want to love. Then we're going to do what we want when we want. We're not going to focus on others. But no, he said here, love is expensive. If God loved us by sending his son Christ to the cross, if Jesus loved us in this way, then we are also to sacrificially love others. The cost of the agape love of God pouring out through our lives to those around us may be our abilities so that we can help others out at times. The cost of the agape love pouring out of us may be our finances so we can meet others' needs for them and be a blessing to them. The cost of the agape love pouring out of us may be our possessions so that we can share with others and help take care of others and meet their needs. The cost of agape love through us may be our rights. We may just simply need to humble ourselves so that we can be a servant to those around us. Even those who are a little bit difficult to love. The agape love, the cost of the agape love going through our lives quite often involves our time so we can stop and listen to others so that we can learn so that we can encourage, so that we can comfort. Our time so that we can pray with and for them. Our time so that we can carry their burdens for them. 
Or, as you've seen, I'm sure, in your own walk with the Lord and your ministry to those that God places around you, as you love others, at times it's a combo platter of those points and more. It's our time and our abilities and our finances. Love is sacrificial. Now, I want you to understand, loving others sacrificially is not about putting others first. Loving others sacrificially is not about us putting others first before ourselves. Loving others sacrificially is about putting God first. You see, as we put God first, he then empowers and enables us to sacrificially love others. When we just simply focus our thoughts on sacrificially loving others means I need to put others first. So that means I need to go to them and I need to meet this need and I need to do that. I need to do this. I need to do that. We start thinking according to our thoughts, according to our wisdom, according to our emotions, according to our feelings. We think we know what's best and we go and try to do that. And at times we can get in our own way and we can make matters worse. No, what God says is, hey, listen, sacrificially loving others means put me first. You put me first, and then I will dispense the necessary desire, the necessary strength, the necessary wisdom, the necessary resources that I want you to use as you sacrificially love others. And then we are blessed, and we are able to be a blessing to others as we put God first. Love is sacrificial. And then we also see because love is sacrificial, the fourth point is love is active. It's active. Love gets involved. Like what one Bible scholar said, true compassion is love in action. John continued in verse uh, 17 and 18 to chapter 3. He wrote these words, if anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Love gets involved. Love is active. Love gets up in others' business. Love helps others out. Love meets others' needs. John said, it doesn't make sense for us as followers of Jesus to see a follower of Christ, a brother or sister in need, to have the means to be able to meet that need and then to choose not to meet that need. That's the opposite of how God responds to us. It doesn't make sense. So how can the love of God reside in that brother or sister? Now, God will give us the necessary wisdom and understanding to know how to use his resources his way to make sure that we're able to meet those needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ and the needs of those God places around us as he sovereignly brings those opportunities our way. But John here reminds us of something important, and that is we're not just supposed to love in word. We're supposed to love in deeds and in truth and actions and in truth. We're going to get active. If it's sacrificial, that means it's got to be active. Love that is spoken, not shown, is meaningless, like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See, we need to understand and realize, as one scholar said, there are times when actions do speak louder than words. 
And so we certainly are called to verbalize our love for the Lord and our love for one another, for those that God places around us. That's important. But we must make sure that we are not just saying it, but that we're showing it. Love is active. And those actions speak loud to those around us. So the obvious question then is, how do we love others? If it's active, if it's sacrificial, then how do we love others? What, what do we do? How do we show that? Well, we love others as we care for others. We love others as we comfort others. We love others as we do good to others. We love others as we encourage others. We love others as we forgive others. We love others as we help others. We love others as we listen to others. We love others as we meet one another's needs. We love others as we pray with others. We love others as we pray for others. We love others as we rejoice with others. We love others as we weep with others. We love others as we respect others. We love others as we share the truth of God's word with others. We love others as we help others come to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. We love others as we help others grow in their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. We love others as we bless others in Jesus' name. We love others as we do unto others as we would have them do to us. We love others as we do the little things on a day-by-day -day basis that speaks the loudest to those around us that we truly love them. We love others as we humble ourselves to the point that there is really not anything that we're unwilling to do as the Holy Spirit of God leads us and calls us. There's times when the Holy Spirit works in our lives. He says it's time to pour yourself out like a drink offering in service to others. Times when he says, you know that part about offering your bodies as a living sacrifice to me? Yeah. Right now, right here, I want you to do that. We love others as we simply get out of the way so that our almighty God can have his way in us, through us, and around us. See, as followers of Jesus, and I think it's so important for us to be reminded of this on a regular basis, as followers of Jesus, we're ministers for Jesus. As ministers for Jesus, that means we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. To all those God places around us, what an honor, what a privilege, what a joy, what a responsibility. 
We're able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those God places around us as we love others. The way Christ loves us. Love is spoken and love is shown. This is how God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Greater love is no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. This is how God loves us. This is how God wants us to love others. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love. Walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's embrace the agape love of God that he is producing in us so that we can then express the agape love of God to all those he places around us. And as we do, we will be blessed with the understanding and knowledge that we are able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. God's speaking and moving, and I want to encourage you to respond to him as our worship team will come in a moment, and we're going to sing a declaration of praise to the Lord because he's worthy. But before we get to that point, let me just encourage you, my brother, my sister in Christ, I want to just encourage you to spend time, allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart, your mind, as he's been doing throughout this time, and allow him to continue his change process in you, whether that's convicting you, and if it is, then confess that sin to, so you can get right with the Father. Maybe he's encouraging you. He's brought a picture of someone to your mind that he's going to ask you to love. He's asking you even now, and he's telling you how he's going to want you to do it to love them this day, maybe this week. Maybe the person's here and it's going to be immediate. Maybe the person is not here and so he's going to give you some time so that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to someone. I know as a follower of Christ, he's bringing people to our minds. It's the point of his teaching, not just to be hearers only, but to be doers. And so he wants us to do this word today. Let me encourage you to yield yourself, to surrender to the Lord fresh and new so that you might be that conduit of agape love to those that God's going to place around you. If you're here this morning or if you're streaming online and you've not yet received God's gift of love and life by faith in Jesus, then today could be the day of salvation for you. We've shared the plan of salvation in this time, in this word. We know and understand the word shares with us that God loved us so much he sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our sins. Jesus lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. 
He died a perfect death on the cross of Calvary. He was buried in the tomb, but on the third day, he rose again victorious over sin and death for you and for me. And the only way for us to enter into a relationship with the holy God is through the holy sacrifice of the Son of God, Jesus, because it is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us of our sin. And we're able to enter a relationship with God and call him our Abba Father through the sacrifice, the finished work of Christ on the cross. And so let me encourage you here in person, maybe online watching, just to cry out to God. Tell God that you understand that you're a sinner and that you've turned and you've gone your way and that you need a savior. Tell God that you know that Jesus is your savior, that he lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He was buried. He rose again on the third day and he's alive and that you want a relationship with him and you know the only way to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. So you can just simply confess your sin and just ask Jesus to come into your life, take over and take charge from this point forward. We'd love to celebrate that decision with you. We'd love to help you make that decision. Our pastors will be standing here at the front. They'd love to introduce you to Jesus or to pray with you, to pray for you, to pray over you whatever the need may be. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to celebrate with you and help you to continue on your journey of now growing in your faith in Christ as you live your life for him. My brothers and sisters, let's continue seeking the Father so that we can then respond by faith and obedience to him so that we can sing our praises to the God who is most worthy of all of our praise, honor, and glory. Let's stand and let's respond to the Father this morning.